All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep. On today's episode, we have MDV, Matt DeLavalle with me, and we are going to dive into corporate wellness. Is that what we're going to do? We're going to talk about it, man, both from a coaching perspective and I think from a relationship perspective. I like it. I like it. You know, a lot of people ask me questions about corporate wellness, about how to get it started, about how we began in it, um, what have we found to be successful, and I thought we could just do a podcast about it. Instead of me having to, you know, individually write back to each person, let's just direct them to this podcast. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is that if you're a gym owner out there and you're spending your Saturdays or Sundays programming, I wanted to make you aware that we have the NC Fit Collective. And I know some of you guys have heard of this before, but I just really want to, you know, kind of let you guys know that I highly recommend this program. What we do is we put out our session plans and our programming on our custom app with daily videos for all of our programming that we use worldwide. We now allow gym owners to get involved with that. And like I said, if you're a gym owner, you're out there, you're stressing a little bit about programming, or perhaps you want to free up some time for you to do other things. We have memberships as low as $99 a month, and we'd love for you to, we'd love to earn your business, right? We'd love for you to get a free trial, check it out and make us earn it with the value that we're going to provide you. And we want you to send us a message back. Look, man, that 99 bucks or that 200 bucks, whatever it is, was well worth my investment. For sure. You know, I think um, professional development is a really hot topic in the CrossFit and the gym space. Everybody wants their coaches to develop. They want to know after they go to these seminars, how do you continue their journey? And, you know, that was a problem that we had to solve within our business. How do we continue to educate our coaches? How do we continue to inspire them? And what we came up with was that, hey, we, we need to get out there. We need to get ahead of it with daily briefs, session plans, something that on an everyday basis, our coaches can read and not only go out there and execute an amazing class in the moment, but then have a long-term development plan and an education that adds up over the course of days, months, and years. And, and the NC Collective, I think, does a beautiful job of that. Perfect. So guys, if you want to check it out, shoot us an email, um, you know, collective at nc.fit for a free trial. Go ahead and direct message us on Instagram. Uh, there's a collective Instagram, and we'll go ahead and also put in the notes here. So with that being said, let's dive into the subject of today which is corporate wellness. I'll, I'll first kind of kick off the conversation with the way that we started it mm -hmm. at our, our business. And so years ago, we opened the gym in 2008. And as time went on, I started to see how relationships were developed, how people met each other, how they became boyfriend, girlfriend, got married, whatever it was. And I started saying to myself, man, the relationships and the bonds that are fostered here are so strong. Imagine if we were able to take these relationships and put them into a business. And so I started knocking on doors and I knocked on this one door of a company called CH Reynolds and they had 50 employees. And I remember the first day I went there, I just started the conversation. I had no marketing material. I had nothing. I just wanted to start the conversation. I just knocked on the door. I said, Hey guys, my name is Jason Kleepa. I'm from the gym down the street and I'd love to provide some type of fitness for your business. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, let's try it. And I was like, Okay. okay. <laughs> and so what we decided to do was um, a six-week free trial. And so I wanted to, again, earn their business. Similar to the way we're talking about with the collective session yeah. plans and programming, I wanted to earn their trust, earn their business. Because I was preaching something new and innovative and not just your traditional you know, headphones in a, in a treadmill, I knew that I first had to prove it before I asked for money. Yeah. And so what I did was we started off doing these um, two days a week at 6 a.m., We'd bring kettlebells and dumbbells and, you know, we did that for six weeks. And then finally at the end of the six weeks, we then discussed long-term strategy for, uh, what that, what that would look like. And we got paid per class and we did that for many years moving forward, but that's the way our corporate wellness 
first got started was with a company of 50 people, me going there with dumbbells and kettlebells. And I'll explain the pros and cons of that. But. Yeah. Jay, what kind, what kind of company was it? What, what is CH Reynolds? Do you remember? Like, what did they do? They were like an electronics company. Yeah. And uh, they just had an open floor plan in their business where basically we moved some desks and we did it indoors. Mm-hmm. And I just brought gear. And eventually what we did is we, we eventually got to the point where they could invest a couple grand yeah. and we would keep the, the gear there. But now, for the first few months and years, you were just schlepping gear back and forth. Right. In the back of my uh, SUV. <laughs> but, you know, I got I to gotta say the pros and cons is. So the pro was I got my foot in the door and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think for any gym owner out there, and I get this question all the time, the first step is just start a conversation. Everybody wants to have the perfect pitch, the perfect marketing material, the perfect this, perfect that. There is no perfect. Just go there and create a conversation. See what you could actually do from that. And the pro was... I learned a lot. I got, you know, a bunch of people more fit, created phenomenal relationships. The con was, is that it took me away from the gym in the mornings. Yeah. And so something I think a gym owner has to be really aware of is that when you're going to corporate wellness, there's a number of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. This particular way pulled me away from the gym. What I could have done, right? You need to make sure you have the staff to, to support it. Yeah. What I could have done is I could have gone in there, started a conversation in the six week trial and then encourage them to come to our gym. Uh, you know, for a class there, maybe at a discounted rate or whatever it was. But by keeping it there, I needed to make sure it was worth our while. So you need to charge a premium that's worth you going over there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think one of the coolest takeaways from this story for me is that you were just walking down the street, knocking on every business door. You weren't just looking for businesses that you thought, hey, these people might be really interested in, in what I have and, and what I can do. It was an electronics business, man. Like, you can walk up literally to any business, and I, I really believe this. What we do is so important that you can, it can resonate with almost anybody. Everybody needs fitness. Everybody's interested in getting their employees to be more productive, less sick time, happier at work, you know, longer retention. And those are all things that you know, I think we'll get into this later, but definitely what a corporate wellness program should and can offer. 100%. I think if I were to do it over again, um, I would try and identify people in our gym as current members. Mm-hmm who worked nearby. And then I could have gotten a warm intro. Yeah. Right. Uh, but in this case, it was more like, Hey, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to prove our value. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think as a gym owner, I think there's a number of ways you could do corporate wellness. You could go there onto their campus and do something. You could bring the gear. You could set up full blown locations, which obviously we've done now. Yeah. Or you could try and create a relationship where you go and do a lunch and learn or a coffee and learn and try and attract them to your location. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the key for me is you're outside your business trying to build your business, but you need to make sure you have the staff to support it if you are going to offer. Because at, at times, it's a whole different location, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're offering classes there in the morning, you know, do you, do, if you're struggling to find coaches to cover your own classes, you probably shouldn't be pursuing corporate wellness yet. Yeah, or <laughs> at least pursuing corporate wellness outside of your own physical space, right? That's Offering right. discounted membership packages and maybe saying, hey, we have this, uh, you know, 8 a.m. class that would be perfect for you. And maybe you identify a class in your schedule that's not as popular, um, but that might give a certain business an opportunity to come on over in an off time in their schedule, right? Different businesses have different shifts and different busy times. Um, those are all good ways that you can further utilize what you have going on now without too far expanding your scope, right? Yeah. I mean, something else we've done is, for example, you have the, the I don't know, at first take the argument, the Google class, and you make it at 10 a.m. because that's an off hour for you, mm-hmm. right? And you maybe give them a discounted rate for their employees to come in at 10 a.m. to your gym. 
Now you're getting people in the door, maybe do it twice a week. And maybe some of those people end up converting to a full-time membership, right? Yeah. But ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to fill up these dead times with potential opportunities. And one of those would obviously be this style. So I think when you're looking at corporate wellness, there's a number of ways you could do it. There's a number of ways to create the conversation, but it starts by just getting started and walking in the door. Mm -hmm. If you're spending, you know, days and months trying to create the perfect flyer, I think you're dropping the ball. Yeah, for you, sure. You know, but I do think over time you should have a flyer and it should clearly explain your value proposition. Hey, we're NC fit. We do this. We do this. These are the programs we offer. These locations we have. I think that's really important. But in the beginning, it's really that human touch because someone sees your passion, someone sees your, your vision and they want to be a part of it mm -hmm. and you're going to find somebody who wants to be a part of it. Yeah. You said something really important to, um, kind of earlier was, you know, wanting to have a warm introduction and figuring out people within your membership who might be able to either help facilitate a conversation or even be the person who's responsible for that kind yeah. of conversation. I mean, that, that's so key because you've already shown this person how powerful what we do and what you do on an everyday basis is. And, you know, if you're doing your job right and you're going out there and you're caring about your members and you know, this person is somebody who you trust, like there's no better way to get started with a business than to have buy-in from somebody who's already inside. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that, that kind of leads me to my next thing is that after CH Reynolds kind of quote proving it there, we had a phenomenal opportunity with a company called HGST at the time, which is now Western Digital. And they are by far uh, our biggest partner mm -hmm. and they have been exceptional for us. And we've expanded with them globally to many locations. But the way that that got started was through a relationship. And the you know top executives saw value in this style of training and bringing it there. And they wanted to get against the grain of treadmills and ellipticals mm -hmm. with headphones on, right? Where it's almost awkward to have a conversation with somebody like in a corporate setting, the idea is increase productivity by networking the accounting guy with the legal guy with this guy. I'll never forget. We started off this relationship and we started converting their conventional gyms into more CrossFit style mm -hmm. gyms. And we opened up two locations and we started off in a very small, like mail room. And the first couple of weeks were going, you know, they were going okay. And then I knew we had something special when I met this guy and he came up to me, he's like, Hey, you know, me and this, that guy over there, John, have became best friends. And we've seen each other in the gym now for 22 years. We've seen each other in the gym. They've both worked at this company. 22 years. 22 years. Literally 22 years, right? years yeah. And we've seen each other for 22 years and we never once talked to each other until this class. And now because of this class, because of the coach creating a conversation between us, we now realize how good of friends we are. Because so we would just see each other in the gym and you'd give a little, you know, bro nod or whatever it is. The but, shrug. But because- Right. Because it's so like faux pas in the traditional corporate setting or even hotel setting to have a conversation with someone like I would never walk up to someone on an elliptical who has headphones in and be like, hey, how you doing? Right. <laughs> but in but in a, you know, more functional training style, more CrossFit style, the coach is like, hey, guys, do me a favor. Go ahead and partner up with somebody. All of a sudden, John and Bill became best buds because they realized they had so much in alignment. Yeah. And that's when I really knew we were on to something special. And from there, it just grew. And but doing, you know our own operated locations with full-blown class schedules comes with its fair share of challenges as well. Yeah. Because again, you start talking about new location, new staff, and even though the company might have, uh, you know, recouped, the, you know, funded it and subsidized it so it's free for the employees, it still takes a lot of your bandwidth and you got to make sure you have top coaches on the floor. Yeah. And you were saying that like this, this relationship for NC Fit got started because an executive believed in it, right? Yeah. 
Now, it wasn't because an executive like what you were presenting, uh, you know, this list of amazing benefits to him and, you know, all these spreadsheets and charts. What was he? He was doing the program, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the best. I mean, right there, you have somebody who's a decision maker, who's within your walls, who believes in you, believes in what you do, and now can help usher you along because they're inside corporations like HGST, Western Digital, and, you know, uh, I worked for Reebok for a long time. There's a lot of red tape. Yep. There's a lot of hurdles that you, you got to get You need someone over. to kind of spearhead it, pioneer yes. it. And I, on that note, though, I think what's really important to understand about this particular story and about this is that a door was presented to me and I opened it and I ran through it. Mm -hmm. And I think for every gym owner out there who's sitting there and saying, man, I want to get into corporate wellness, he's got to ask themselves, yes, I could go ahead and walk down the street and knock on doors like we did, right? But you also have to um, be about what you're doing and ask. If you don't ask, you're never going to get, mm -hmm. right? You're never going to get. And so I think it's really important if you find out someone works for, for example, I just found out one of our members works for Visa, mm -hmm. right? High level executive of Visa. The first thing I asked him was, hey man, like, what do you guys do for fitness? And just at least start the conversation. And it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow, but potentially when their um, current provider is up on their mm -hmm. agreement or whatever, they might think of you. But if yeah. you never even put it out there to the universe, you're never going to get that type of deal. Yeah. I, I, that's super, super important. We talk about this with our coaches a lot, and this is a little tangential, but that ability to talk to your members in a really genuine way and to tell them about how passionate you are about what you do and you believe so firmly in what we do that we have this awesome thing that can benefit your your corporation, your family, your friends. Those are really organic discussions that can help grow your business, whether it's in the corporate realm or whether you're just like, hey, I don't know how to get more members through the door. Figuring out how to have those conversations with your members is essential because it can come across, if you do it wrong, it comes across super salesy. You turn people off. You, people start thinking you're looking at them as just dollar signs. But you really like what we do is so important, so meaningful, so special. And you want to grow your community with like-minded people. You want to help this person's circle outside of the gym experience the same things. And if you're able to have that conversation in that manner, super effective. Super effective. And so I do think just a couple of notes on corporate wellness I want to make sure that I bring up is that you could do um, start classes outside the gym where you bring the gear. Mm -hmm. You could um, go on site to companies and just create a conversation where, hey, on January 40, you know, January 2nd, I'm going to come. <laughs> Feels like January 40th. <laughs> On, on whatever, I'm going to bring, you know, coffee and, and uh, healthy snacks. And we're going to just give a presentation on what is fitness, mm -hmm. where we're going, and just kind of create yourself as the expert in that particular space for that company. And all you do is you say to the company, hey, I'm Jason Klepa. I want to come give a talk here. I'll provide all this. All I need you to do is send out a meeting invite. And then after the meeting invite, if you don't mind, if you could just let me know all the people that accepted the meeting and I could just send them a follow-up email, just providing them a free two-week trial to our gym, I would really appreciate yeah. it, right? And all of a sudden, now you're getting a bunch of new leads for the cost of coffee and, and snacks. But if you don't bring the coffee and snacks, you're, gonna, you're not going to get as many people in the door. The so make sure, for sure. make sure you bring something for free. Uh, said this way, it draws people there. And then once they feel your passion, once they see your vision, maybe they'll want to jump on for at least that free trial. Yeah. Yeah. W one more thing too about, um, you know, when you were saying like within your membership, there's an amazing opportunity to find out people who have positions of influence. 
you can't go out there and just say, hey, who is an executive here and who is a decision maker, right? You're going to look like an idiot. But <laughs> yeah. all this stuff comes down to really caring enough about the people who are currently you in get front to know of them. you to get to know, exactly, to get to know them, to figure out what they do outside of work that's meaningful to them, that drives them forward, that helps them to show up every single day to your gym. Like those are the types of conversations that lead to open doors, regardless of whether it's court wellness, more members, whatever, X, Y, or Z, but definitely, you know, if you're looking to figure out people who are influencers in your gym, it's not by just straight up asking, right. hey, are you an executive? Yeah, and, and, and oftentimes it doesn't have to be an executive, right? It could be a, uh, you know, anybody who maybe has influence in their space. Yeah. Maybe they know someone who knows someone. It's just creating good conversation. But I, but I have to preface all of this by saying that I don't want to paint a picture that we started down a corporate wellness strategy and all of a sudden we expanded to, I don't know, what do we have, like 16 yeah, corporate locations, locations now? I don't want to paint that picture. We have done more proposals for more businesses than I could possibly count. And I'll, you know for every one that we get, we have 10 we don't or mm -hmm. whatever. But that's okay because you're getting in reps. One of the uh, Coffee with Kalipa episodes I just put out on the Amrap Mentality podcast actually is about time under tension, okay? And this idea that, you know, the only way you get better at your craft is by time under tension, mm -hmm. whether you're talking about a back squat or you're talking about speaking, but also if you're trying to speak about your business to mm -hmm. a corporate setting, you need reps, yeah. you need time under tension because the way you speak to an HR representative or a facilities person, it's going to be a little bit different than John Smith who comes in your gym looking for a, a, a great workout, yeah, right? You sure. need to understand your value proposition and only through these reps, only through multiple presentations, multiple proposals, do you ever get to the point where you start feeling comfortable? And it's okay to get someone to say no, because every time they say no, you're getting better and better yeah. and better at your craft. I, I agree with you. And I also think it's important to practice that conversation uh, many, many times in lower risk situations where you are controlling the initiation of the conversation, right? Like, you know, you're walking into G uh, GH rental, HR rentals or wherever it yeah. was, or, or Starbucks or Panera or whatever. You are at physically going out there and initiating the conversation, right? And the worst thing that they can say is no. Right. But down the road, somebody might come up to you and say, hey, listen, I work for Visa, MasterCard, some big business. You got to be prepared at that point. What if you're not? But if you were, and let's say you have 20, 60, whatever conversations underneath your belt, you've done this a million times to blue in the face. Now you're ready for it, right? right? And right. I think that you're prepared to have a better conversation. So when we're creating these proposals, right, um, if we get like an RFP, which is a request for a proposal, and, you know, maybe they send us what's called a statement of work. And I didn't know what any of this was when I was still first getting into the game, right? But when we, we, I had great mentors and great people that helped support us along this business journey. But I just want to kind of let you know. Uh, a little bit, dive a little bit deeper. So when we first got introduced to our bigger corporate accounts, right? There's, there's on-site, there's them coming to our gym. I think we've, we've talked about mm -hmm. that, but I think there's also something about, Hey, you know, uh, you know, Lucas films, for example, is a new account that we just, we just, uh, started working with and they said, Hey, we want you to run our fitness center. Um, but let's just talk about just the functional training area. Well, you need to first ask yourself, is there enough employees at the location to support me kind of creating a full-blown location? Mm -hmm. Or is it more of just building out a gym and maybe having classes every now and then on site? And for us, what we've experienced is that if it has 300 employees or more, three to 400, it's probably warranted to have a more on-site location with multiple classes a day, mm -hmm. right? But if it's less than that, 
it won't get the uptick in participation to justify the cost. The expense, yeah. And, and in general, right, I'm talking very broad strokes. If you're not including conventional gym equipment, conventional gym equipment would add more. But if you're just talking functional training, variety of classes, uh, we provide yoga, we provide all, only body weight, we have uh, you know our traditional more barbell style classes. Well, this is worldwide. You could expect, you know, and and I you know I know Reebok would probably be a little bit different. So I'd like to your opinion on this, but anywhere between you know twenty to let's just say thirty five percent of the indirect workforce, meaning. Uh, if it's direct labor, more manufacturing, more on the line, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to get as much uptick on that because those people sometimes, like in the Philippines, they get bust in at these locations. They're there for their exact shift and then they get bust out. Mm-hmm. So having time to to do any sort of fitness is challenging. But the management and the employees like that, we're looking at about a 20, you know, 22, 25 to 35% uptick. And so you got to look at those numbers yeah. and say, hey, with 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 only a hundred employees, well, if I'm only going to get thirty or forty of them to utilize our service, mm-hmm. maybe it's not warranted the cost that I'm proposing. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. The the types of employees that uh, compromise the business or make up the business is really important because you know we were having a discussion the other day with with a, a friend of ours who works at a company within the space who has a lot of people who are involved in manufacturing, who are involved in working uh, the quote-unquote line, who are in charge of moving uh, lots of equipment back and forth, and they work on shift. They work long shifts. And those types of employees, typically in our experience and what this individual had also seen, it's, it's hard for them to wrap their mind around, I've got to come to work early or I've got to stay late to do more of quote unquote fitness because a lot of times they look at what they're they look at their job and they go I'm already busting my ass for 8 to 10 hours a day doing a lot of manual labor doing a lot of repetitive stuff and that type of employee they need they certainly need fitness and they need um you know restorative stuff in their life they they need it uh, but it can be tougher to get that person to buy in to a program where they have to voluntarily come in, check in for class, and then go and do their shift. It's a lot easier to have the conversation, like I said, in, in our experience, when you work with people who are quote unquote typical not nine to five employees, where their schedule is more flexible, where they have some time where they can take out of their day to go yep. to a class, where they can come in early, shower, and then go to their desk. They're maybe not necessarily involved in manual labor all day. Um, you know, that, that was the the main employee population at Reebok. I worked at Reebok for four years. I was a coach for them uh, for quite some time. And then I helped manage the CrossFit partnership for a while. And they had about, uh, I believe at the peak, like 40 to 50% participation in the the in the specific CrossFit program, right. which, is which is amazing. Which is great. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. And they had even more participation in just the general physical right. gym population because they had we had Basketball, multiple core, gyms on yeah, campus. Everything, yeah. yeah. Um you know, I think I, what I also want to get into down down the road in this conversation is like specific things you have to be aware of when you're coaching these types of people. But definitely um when you look at an employee population, you have to be aware having the conversation going into it, what what type of employee is it? Yeah. And and so just to kind of lay a foundation on that we have locations. We have three in Malaysia. Um, we have Philippines, Thailand, China. And when we open up these locations, they're significantly different than, for example, doing something with MetLife Insurance or GoPro, where 
you know, and there the, the demographic is totally different. So when we're in Asia and we have to evaluate where we're going and do a member survey, what type of classes mm-hmm. are you looking for? Right. Because maybe they don't want the barbell. And so if you're going in there and you're trying to put in a program that you think will be successful, well, you need to evaluate who you're going to and yeah. what they need. Yeah. So for example, right, let's let's talk about a company where they're moving a lot. Well, what we've done in the past is we've just gone and done a 30 minute, you know, yoga flow or stretching class. And it's been super successful mm-hmm. because these people are on the line and they want to basically just move their body in a different way. Yeah. Right. But they're not necessarily looking to, you know, do snatches and muscle ups. And and I think that's really important for you to recognize that if you're going into corporate wellness, the demographic there, this is this is something I hope everybody listening really pays attention to. Whereas in our traditional gyms, someone is seeking this style of training and paying us for a service. Mm-hmm. In the corporate wellness sector, we are coming into their home to provide a service. They have not seeked us out. We have been provided to them. And there's a big difference there because the demographic that comes to you is much broader, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not seeking out your only functional style training. So it's important to evaluate, hey, what is this audience looking for? And how do we provide it to them at the highest level, mm-hmm. right? For example, in our conventional gyms, open to the public, we don't offer yoga. In our corporate sector, we offer a lot of yoga because we found a high demand for that and we needed to provide it. Whereas in the in the conventional se- sector, right, we aren't experts in yoga per se, mm-hmm. right? So we don't want to open up yoga studios inside our studios. But in the corporate sector, I think it's really important to provide top level yoga instructors because that's what people were asking mm-hmm. for. And so I think just as a note to anybody looking to express, get into corporate wellness, it's really important to understand the difference in the mindset, which I'm sure MDV and I are now going to dive into, which we're now translating from business, right? How to get the business. Um, the numbers we're kind of sharing something else before we dive into more of the community aspect. I just want to share one more thing. The way we analyze our metrics, it's very important that if you get into corporate wellness from the beginning, track, um, basically track attendance very, very well. And we track check-ins and we measure ourselves against those Mm check-ins. And what a check-in is, is if, you know, MDV and I go in for a class, that's two check-ins, Right. But if we go for a class tomorrow, that's two more check-ins. And what we do is we're evaluating how many touch points we're having with with total employees. And then obviously we look at how many unique participants we get. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to track the metrics from the beginning so that when you give the report to the executive team, you're saying, hey, we've now touched 500 employees with this amount of things. Yeah. And in regards to tracking measurable um you know, we, we sent out member surveys to talk about uh, productivity, mm-hmm. right? Like, have you seen your productivity increase? And we look, we evaluate it that way. But it's hard for us to measure actual physical results primarily because outside of surveys and feedback we receive about like life-changing experiences, there's HIPAA rules and different types of regulations where we can't track this type of uh, – yeah. So it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. There, right? And there's a lot of different rules that you have to be aware of when, you know, let's say you wanted to test an employee's blood counts before starting the program and six months into it. You need to be aware that this is not always, you know, as easy as saying, hey, go and get your blood right. work done. There's a lot of rules and regulations about that. There's also a lot of cultural differences uh, you have to be aware of if you're working in, both in the United States and out of the United States with, you know, working with people of different cultures, different genders, all that kind of stuff. You have to be really aware of it. It's a, it's a different level of scrutiny sometimes you're held to. 
But I will say, no matter what level you're working at, if you are new to a corporate wellness program, let's say you go down the street and you get a program with, um, you know, a company that's got a couple hundred employees, there's, there's a lot of value in saying, hey, listen, we've got this many check-ins, we've seen this many unique visitors, we've seen these people come to the gym at least four times a week. Because if you're not tracking that, what you're relying on is just anecdotal evidence of what you're doing. And that can be really strong. I'm not saying anecdotal yep. stuff can't be strong, but you're relying on people's opinions. You're relying on people's stories. You're relying on saying, hey, this person looks much better than when they first joined the gym. That's all powerful stuff. But a lot of times decision makers want to look at things on paper and say, wow, that's amazing. 50% of my workforce is showing up to this three times a week. There's something there. Powerful. Right. Um, Last thing on the business side, and then we'll talk about the culture is just pricing. I get this question a lot. I think ultimately it comes down to you as the owner or as the head coach deciding, you know, what, what investment, you know, of your time, is it worth it? So if you're doing a class, you know, once a week and you're getting paid 200 bucks a class, okay, is 200 the right number for you? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's 45 minutes away. Maybe it needs to be 300. Maybe it needs to be 100. You need to evaluate that. But what's really important is if you're getting yourself in this thing where you're doing one class a week, two classes a week. I would just try and create a strategy where if I could do everything over again, I would always create some type of pilot with some type of expectation at the end. So, hey, we're going to come in for six weeks. We're going to do this. At the end of six weeks, if you decide to continue, it'll look like this. And I think what's important about that is we've gotten ourselves in situations where we'll get into a company, we're excited about it, but then six months, a year, two years later, the, the scope hasn't changed mm-hmm. and it's a draining on our resource. Yeah. So just be aware of that going into it. And then in regards to like big picture financials, if you're running full locations, that's a completely different topic. But I think you have an obligation to identify someone who's smart with financials to create what the financial projections would look like of your costs. You put on your whatever margin you need and then you go ahead and put that proposal to the company. Mm. And, and there's no like absolute here that's kind of, those are for bigger picture corporate wellness. And it's going to take you a while to get to that point. So yeah. I don't even really want to dive down that because every situation is going to be different based off scope. But what I will say to kind of button that conversation up is you as an owner need to make sure that don't get excited about an opportunity and then commit to something that you don't think will be sustainable. Take a step back for a minute. Make sure it's sustainable for you and your business that is not pulling you away from this location. Mm. So if your single location isn't doing at least okay or well, you probably should should hold off on opening up basically a second location yeah. inside a company. Yeah, for sure. And the the financial side of the business is is really not yours and my forte, right? Right. But what we do know is we know enough that we need to consult somebody who knows enough, right? There would be nothing worse, in my opinion, that you walk into a big fucking deal and you show up not knowing your numbers. You show up being unprepared. You show up with numbers that are like, where, they're like, where did you get these? Right. You made these up? Consult somebody, bro. Really, like consult somebody who has that experience before you go in there. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to pay this guy a couple of hundred bucks and you, now you're going to have a proposal that makes sense as opposed to being laughed at. Yeah, laughed and I think that's an important note. You know, you watch some of these people on Shark Tank, for example, who go out there and they pitch an evaluation of X, but they don't have the background and the data to explain why the, the, the you, but if you go in there and you say, hey, my evaluation is 10 million, 
but you say these are the reasons why. Yeah. I think that's really important. So first order of business is create the relationship, prove value. Second order of business is understand what they're looking for mm -hmm. and create some type of like broad strokes proposal based on that. Like, hey, it's going to be five classes a week. It's going to be this, 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 this. Make sure you agree on the scope. Then after the scope is like, okay, that sounds okay. Then you go to the table, you create some type of financial position, right? Based on this scope, it's going to cost this amount. And then you go and actually give the full presentation, Proposal, yeah. right? And he's the reason why. So switching gears a little bit, I want to, I want to dive into what I was talking about, which is the biggest difference in our corporate members, which we love. I mean, we corporate wellness for us has been a, has been a staple of what we've done in addition to our conventional gyms, but that there's a different demographic there yeah. because again, one is seeking you out. The other, the company is providing it. Yeah. And that fundamentally changes a little bit at least in the beginning. And then over time, you over time, I think it evens out. Yeah. But in the beginning, people don't really know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And you're also dealing with a completely different setting. You're, you're dealing yeah. with a setting. Let's, let's just take, for example, you're running classes on a corporate campus, or you've been lucky enough to find a corporate partner that wants to outfit a space with you, and you run classes there every day. You have to realize that you are now on a corporate campus and that there's mm. certain rules, there's certain things, there's a certain level of awareness that you need to have that's a little bit different than if you were just running classes in your commercial locations. And I'm not saying that it has to be a completely sterile environment and you can't have fun and you can't get great and effective workouts, but you need to be aware that there's also a much different line. There is a line of appropriateness. There's a line of how you talk to these people who are not your paying members, but are technically kind of employees and clients of that business who yeah. are, are coming into your gym. There's different ways that you need to think about people who walk into class late. There's an awareness that you need to have when there are certain people in the room. There's a whole lot of stuff that we could get into here. And wherever you want to take the conversation yeah. first, I'm down to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important thing. And, and, and no better note on that than when you, first off, you know, I think it's really important that you treat the entire class the same, regardless of if the, the CEO or the, or the intern is there. It should always be on time, professional. You should never belittle people. There's no such thing in a corporate sector or frankly, for that matter, in conventional mm -hmm. gym of burpees if you're late, right? There's no punishment. In the company setting, right? You might have meetings that run over. Like for, sure. for, like for example, at Western Digital, we call it the 1137 class because we just know that a lot of people's meetings end at like 1130 and they try and get over as quickly as they can. And we don't belittle them. We, 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 I mean, if they're really late, we'll have a conversation. Hey, you know, would really appreciate if you can get here a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I got held up in a meeting. What, what are we supposed to do? They're at work. It's a totally different demographic, mm -hmm. right? And I think that first off, music choice, has to be like it's non-negotiable cannot have explicit content it's it's just it's black and white yeah. right um i would i would argue that in the conventional gym as well but if you're an owner of your own gym and you choose to put on little wayne and 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 that's what you like with the swear words then i mean that's that is what it is i wouldn't recommend it but in the corporate sector now you're not only representing your business but you're also representing the company, yeah, right? For sure. And you got to look good. You got to have your badge on. You got to you got to look the part and act the part. And when you when you start pushing people or encouraging people, you know, always remember that they are coming there for the best hour of their day. 
they're not seeking out this high intensity craziness. They're seeking out a phenomenal fitness experience and you need to be appropriately tailoring that based on where they're at. And from my experience, more times than not in the corporate sector, they're not looking for the same grind and push as a conventional Mm. gym. Uh, from my experience, at least in the beginning, yeah. right? Then once they learn it and develop it, of course they want that push. But I think it's really important to understand, yeah, but that, that goes for anybody. That goes for a conventional gym or, you know, in a corporate setting. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to awareness for me. You know, like there's a much different approach that you would take. Let's say you you have the opportunity to get into a company that is really forward thinking and, you know, it's a lifestyle company and, you know, they're, they're in the industry for some, uh, you know, you know, they manage artists or whatever. Like you have an opportunity to work with like a really hip and up and coming company. Their understanding of what's appropriate from a music standpoint might be very different than working mm. with a company who's, you know, really white collar, very buttoned up. The corporate culture is very different. You need to have the awareness of where you are where you are and you there's no harm in starting a little bit more conservatively and then having somebody say hey you know like we're actually okay with playing a little bit more aggressive music right there's a lot of harm by coming out you know with like really right off the bat super aggressive swear words like highly offensive to people music because you might not ever get some of those people back right and i think that that's also the understanding that i have from coaching in some of these environments that the level of awareness that you have to have, like you said before, these people might, they're not necessarily seeking you out as saying, I, I want high intensity training in my life. What happens is they get an email from HR, they see a flyer, they see people walking around and they're like, what's going on in there? And I right. want to try it out. And you have to have the awareness as the coach that that first experience, that first few impressions that that person has is really important to figure out. They are going to figure out whether or not they ever want to come back, right? And that's the line for me. The difference between the commercial location and the corporate location is that you might have to be a little softer at the outset with a bigger portion of the population. Not necessarily maybe everybody, but you know, there's a big portion of the population that maybe has never heard of. CrossFit or high intensity training. They've never moved in this way. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know what a thruster is and they're not going to know for the next three to six months. You're going to have right. to remind them every single time. So, you know, awareness of what the population is, where you are, who you're working with is extremely, extremely important. You know, the, the late thing is something that I think a lot of coaches get wrong on the commercial side. We talked about this before, like Punishing people for being late to class, I think, is just generally a really bad idea. Yeah. Because you never, you never, literally, you never know what's going on in that person's life, right? Even if it's a person who's chronically late and they show up late to class that day and you belittle them in front of them and they're like, hey, listen, I'm dealing with a death in the family. Like, I'm sorry I was late today. I get it. We can, you might have ruined the relationship. But on the corporate side, you have to be more understanding of people who are coming in a little late. Because like you said, they're getting changed. They're, they're hitting the locker room. They're getting out of meetings. They're rushing over to class. They want to be there enough with you that they're walking away from their desk. And that should be, that should be the main driving factor, not the fact yeah. that you're annoyed somebody came in late. When I think even more so in the corporate setting than in the conventional, and I believe this in, the, in, in our gyms as well, but it needs to be their best hour of their day. 
It needs to be. And yeah. from the moment they walk in, the energy needs to be right. They need to feel like the vibes are right because all day they're at an office with different types of vibes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you as, a, as an operator there need to make sure you're connecting different employees, getting to know each other, you know, obviously using names and having fun. But I think it's really important that the class also finishes on time, which is something that I'm not very good at yeah. and, I, and I've been really working on because when I coach, like I get all fired up and I want to do this. But when I run five, seven, five to seven minutes over, what I'm not realizing is that these people have have looked at their schedule yeah. and said, okay, I'm going to be done at 11. I'm going to be done at 12, which means that I'm going to take me 11 minutes to get dressed. I need to be back to my office for a call at 1230, whatever. And when we go over, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. It's a bigger deal than at the conventional gym. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal on both sides of the equation, but I agree with you. You are not showing respect for these people who now have to go back to work and whatever else they had planned for that day. It's the same deal on the commercial side, but you know maybe you have a little bit more leeway there sometimes. But another reason why that's a big deal, Jay, and I love what you just said, it has to be the best hour of their day because you don't always have the opportunities before and after class like you do in the commercial setting. You, don't, you might not necessarily have the, uh, as many community interactions. You might not necessarily have weekends where everybody's chilling out. You might not have you know, people showing up for throwdowns and parties and things after, or, uh, after uh, class ends. You know right. what I mean? Right. Because these people are in a work setting. Right. They want to be there for the hour. And you have them for that 60 minutes or however long the class is. So you got to blow their fucking socks off, man. Because you might be working in a community where people don't want to be there outside of that. Right. Right? As soon as work's done, they're, they're the, gone. The, yeah, they want to go right. home. They, right. And it's different everywhere. But in general... They want to be there for class. They want to get their workout in. They want to have a really good time with you. But you might not have as much opportunity to interact with them outside of that. Right. And in regards to class offerings, um, specifically in the corporate sector, we've seen good success with yoga. Uh, just because it's a little bit more inviting and mm-hmm. a little people kind of know what they're getting themselves into. We also have a class called Burn. And I'd recommend this class for... Almost anybody who's looking to get into the sector, I think it brings some level of complexity, but not so much as our other offerings that it makes it very um, inviting as well. Yeah. It's Burns a 30 a cool minute, it's a 30 minute class, right? With minimal gear, station rotation, and people just come in, they kind of know what they're getting themselves into, which mm-hmm. I think helps them. And, and just kind of a broad strokes on our programming, we have a variety of programs that, that basically vary on two factors, time and complexity. The more time we have, the more complex movements we can have, the more variety. But if we have a shorter duration class, sometimes what we do is we have less complexity. So we might only incorporate the rower and an air squat versus, you know, a snatch and a and a pull up, yeah. right? And I, and I think it's important that in the corporate sector, again, back to the surveys, back to understanding your audience, you got to figure out what are they looking for? How do we provide the best experience there? Because in the beginning, we started off just offering CrossFit in these mm-hmm. in these corporate sector. But since then, we've totally pivoted in our most um, our our largest attended class globally at Western Digital is is oftentimes our less complex classes mm-hmm. because people want to come in thirty minutes to get back to the desk. And you just got to be aware of that because we offer everything. Yeah. Because like in Japan, they love the sixty minute classes, mm-hmm. but in the Philippines, they like the thirty minute. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just think that's really important to to share with you all. I think to kind of like summarize this entire conversation and MDV, you, you, we could add, you know, more stuff. I think the key to corporate wellness 
is don't send me an email or a message saying, how do you start corporate wellness? The key is to, instead of taking the time to write that message, take the time to walk down the street, to talk to a member, to create a conversation, because you never know where a conversation will lead. Mm -hmm. And every single deal we've ever gotten, every single one, has been created because of a conversation. Yeah. No better example of that than I was in Mexico at a dinner and I happen to sit next to this gentleman and I say to the gentleman, like, hey, how you doing? Like, we just happen to sit next to each other. He's like, hey, what's up? And so over, we're, we're, we're drinking, having fun. I was like, hey, so what do you, you know, what do you do? Like, this is after a long time talking about family, talking about other stuff. It's not like I was trying to pry. He's like, oh, well, I run real estate for MetLife Insurance. I was like, huh. I was like, well, I kind of do corporate wellness. We should link up. And that conversation then led to one year of emails and phone calls, right? Over a year. And then finally we got an opportunity. Yeah. But it's because we started the conversation. It's because we were relentless in that pursuit of what could be. And I think that's the motivation for today is start the conversation and then be relentless at this pursuit because none of this stuff happens overnight. It takes years and years and years. And then finally, people just look at it from the outside and say, oh, you got a new deal with whoever. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't see all the other ones we didn't get or the fact that we put in years to get this one. Yeah. Right? I think my big, my biggest takeaway from this conversation, and I agree with you on your end, is uh, on, on, on the coaching side specifically and the um, interaction side, once you're in the door, is awareness. And you have to know that you are on and under a little bit more of a microscope in the corporate mm. environment. Yep. And a bad interaction in the corporate environment can end your relationship in an instant. The whole relationship. Not just the one member never coming back, but everything that you worked for until that point. You have one really bad interaction with somebody, it could be all gone the next day, maybe not even getting to the end of the day because people in those environments don't necessarily want to risk the things that they, everything, they don't want to risk everything. So in the commercial location where you have a, uh, an interaction with somebody and it might get heated or whatever, and you lose your cool and maybe that member leaves and they never come back and you never hear from them ever again. You're like, shit, you know what? I got to be better. I lost my cool there. That happens with the wrong person on the corporate side. You're packing your stuff at the end of the day and you're leaving. And that's it for the whole relationship. But other than that, the general awareness about, you know, where you are, what type of demographic you're working with, how you show up, professional looking, the music that you play, how you're dealing with people who might ha have been seeking out this type of training and how you introduce them to it. All that stuff to me comes down to being aware. And um, it can be a really, really amazing and meaningful and impactful experience for these people. I mean, with corporate wellness, you're breaking down walls, corporate barriers that have been there for years, like that 22-year-old story yeah. is insane. Yep. And you're increasing productivity, you're reducing uh, 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 people showing up sick, you're, you're adding to people's long-term retention in the company. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You just have to know that you have to be aware. Yeah, and I think if you're out there and you're an owner of a company, big company, and you're providing dry cleaning service, you're providing food, you're providing all these things. I think something that we could talk about, and just to summarize, when you add a personal element, the retention exponentially increases. So if you're offering free food at your company, and I'm offering free food at my company, there's no emotional connection there. The food might be a little bit better, but at the end of the day, you're providing free food, I'm providing free food. A, an employee might just jump ship. Mm -hmm. But if I could now create a relationship 
where not only is the coach becoming your friend, but now the coach is now the friend maker, meaning the coach is now connecting John and Susie, mm-hmm. who now become friends. The retention there is so much greater because it's not as easy to get up from this company and just go find another better food, yeah. right? This food, this service that your company is choosing to provide, right, is is a humanized thing. Yeah, much deeper emotional connection now. Right. So, so for anybody who owns a big company out there who might be listening, I would strongly encourage you, right, strongly, uh, to 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 pursue some sort of community based training at your company for the benefits we've talked about today, but also for the employee retention and productivity and all of that good stuff. And so if you're interested in that, obviously let us know. Uh, you can shoot us an email if you have a company out there. But for all of you out there who own a gym, who are looking to pursue it, I just really hope you get after it. I really hope that you keep continuing to build your business and that as the tide rises, all of us continue to move up. MDV, thanks for taking the time today. Guys, we'll see you again next week for another episode and uh, keep doing what you're doing.